Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, undefeated time, eight game winning streak time, top 15 showdown time. Guys, this might be fun time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Uh, we're, I'm not going to suggest that that normally we have like the most rigid structure or outline going into a show. I'd be lying. Sometimes we write down notes. Sometimes we don't. I'm going to be honest. For this one, we just decided to go with it. And it's not just me on this podcast. We've got from an undisclosed location, we've got Patrick Brown from uh, the Blunt County Satellite Office of GoVols 24-7 down in Maryville. We have Grant Ramey. And fellas, let's just wing it. It's impromptu, like the vol walk. Yeah. Just show up and do it. What do you think, Pat? Pat, you got nothing? Got nothing. You have, you, which is which uh, sums up the, the direction of this podcast. So are you are, is this like a quiet uh, protest of you saying that we should have gone into this with more of an outline? Oh, no, not at all. Um, sometimes, uh, some, what is the saying uh, about best laid plans? Yeah. Or everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. Yeah, that that's or something like that. Yeah, you're 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 sort of you know butchering it a little bit, maybe. Well, no, you're just sort of mixing. I think John Steinbeck and Mike Tyson, which is probably not two people that normally would go together. But hey, let's go with it. Uh, these are strange. It is times 2020. Indeed. It's so. right. Strange times indeed. Let's go with Listen, it. Listen, you're either preparing to what is it? You're uh, you're preparing. Man, you're preparing. You're failing to prepare. You're preparing to fail. Right. Is that what you're going for? Yeah. We don't need a plan. The Vols are 2-0. They're ranked, what, 14th in the country. Um, yeah. Huge game Saturday. We haven't had anything to talk about for the majority of the last seven months. So who needs a plan now? we got plenty of meat on the bone. Yes, we do. we Talk got you plenty to discuss. And that's going to be a 3.30 p.m. kick on Saturday between the 14th slash 12th ranked Vols and the 4th ranked Dogs on CBS, which everyone knows is the greatest network ever invented by man. Guys... This is – Tennessee has won eight consecutive games. Uh, Tennessee has started learning how to win. Tennessee has started putting a culture in place where you don't necessarily have to play your best to beat some teams. This is a game, though. I, I cannot stress this enough. Tennessee has to play significantly better than it has in the first two weeks to have a chance in this game. But – I think the good news is we have not seen anywhere near Tennessee's best football yet. And what I'm thinking, guys, is, is that for the first time in a long time, uh, I think if you're Tennessee, you don't want to get – if you're a fan, you don't want to get too fired up. You don't want to get to a point where you, like, expect to win on Saturday. Just my opinion. But I think for the first time in several years going into a big game like this, you can actually have some genuine hope that this thing could turn out well. Am I? Is that – a good way to put it, or is there a better way to put it? Well, this is going to be Tennessee's first game where they have been uh, in a ranked matchup since 2017, and the last time they were in a top 15 matchup was 2016. So this is uh, – I don't want to say it's uncharted territory for Tennessee, but this is new. This is the biggest game they've played uh, in a long time. It's a huge opportunity for the Falls, but then they're also 14-point underdogs. So it's like um, – you know, I, I don't know how many people outside the program realis- realistically expect them to win. I think probably some Tennessee fans are hopeful. Um, but to your point, Wes, you you said earlier, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I don't think he was in the most jovial of moods on Monday when we talked to him via Zoom. Um, he seemed to say that everybody needs to play better. Uh, we didn't play that great. He was uh, – I don't want to say he he took a shot at the offensive line, but he was like, these guys have not done anything yet, basically. 
uh, said they ran 10 plays, uh, said they ran one play 10 times, only got it right four times. So, um, so, so the secondary needs to play better. So uh, I think that's sort of a challenge to his team starting off this week, uh, that this is, as Jared Garantano put it after Saturday's game, this is going to be big boy football now. So um, you've beaten the Missouris and the South Carolinas of the world, and now you have a chance to go and sort of validate what you've, uh, the progress you've made as a program over the past couple of years. I, I think you enjoy the moment. I mean, yeah, eight-game winning streak's great, and it's nice to be 2-0 and through two games, two winnable games. You took care of your business, uh, even if you played far from your best brand of football. But it's an eight-game winning streak, and like Patrick said, you can keep beating the Vanderbilts and the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys and the Missouris, and that's great. You have to win those games that you have to win that you should win. Um, at the same time, you want to have this kind of test. You're supposed to have a really good offensive line. Let's see what they look like against one of the best defenses in college football, fast, strong, physical, deep. Uh, it's going to be really tough to do anything against Georgia. You, you're supposed to have a pretty good run game that you can rely on. Can you go down there and establish a run and, and take some pressure off your quarterback? Uh, how good can your defense be? Can the secondary be better if they get all their personnel back? Those are the kind of the tests, the, the benchmarks you want to find out where you are in the SEC East pecking order. The Georgias, the Floridas, those are the teams you want to play, be competitive with. Uh, and it's much better to go down there 2-0 and and rank number 14 in the country, despite what kind of football you've played the first two weeks, opposed to 1-1 one one or 0-2 or whatever, and the wheels are falling off. So enjoy the moment. It's going to be a fun Saturday to, to test this team and see what it's made of. I think we can spend a good portion of the second segment of this episode kind of discussing some things that – Tennessee tangibly can do better, right? Because you talk about, well, they're they're winning games. You know, they just won. They had their largest margin of victory in an SEC game since 2016. So despite that, there are a lot of things they can do better, and I think there are a lot of those things we can discuss in the second segment. Before we get into that, though, I think we need to kind of get a peek at Georgia. And we're going to have a podcast later in the week. We did this last year and and had success with it. Uh, I'm going to co-host a podcast with Jake Rowe, uh, one of our good friends down there from Dogs 24-7, who just completely kicks my tail in the accent department. He and Rusty Manziel have the best accents of any any duo. Rusty, you don't have an accent. I I, I sort of don't, right? Well, it's, it's it's just not a pleasant voice to hear. Jake, however... Uh, has a very, very pleasant Southern voice to hear. Uh, and we are going to have a dual podcast like we did last year, talking about matchups and all the people in this game who know each other and sort of the connections from recruiting and from coaching with each other. And uh, there's all sorts of fun things to discuss about this game. There always, always is. Uh, but before we do that, I think we should take a peek at Georgia. And I don't, I don't think a lot of us didn't get to see Maybe a ton of the Georgia-Arkansas game got to see parts of it. Um, but the Georgia-Auburn game, uh, I think just about all of us got to watch it almost in full, right? Uh, toward the toward the second half there, it, it started to become pretty clear that Auburn wasn't going to win. You saw what you needed to see. And you had a couple of other really entertaining games on. So you had uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State, which was a fun game. Uh, you had... Um, you had Oklahoma and Iowa State, which was a fun game. Uh, even Tulsa UCF, I think, was a was a fun game. And 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 so the Georgia Auburn game got the big hype, uh, but then it, it it ended up kind of fizzing out. But the reason it fizzed out was because uh, I've seen Auburn play twice this year in full, and I'm not sure how good Auburn is, um, but I know what I saw from Georgia in that Auburn game. And defensively, let's start there. Guys, they look really, really damn good defensively, I think. Well, the, Josh Pate, who does a great job for our late kick show, uh, he does it three times a week. If you haven't watched it, you're missing out. You should check it out. Um, Grant does a good job posting uh, a lot of Josh's Tennessee comments. He had a tweet, I think it was Saturday night, saying that Tennessee-Georgia will be what everybody thought Georgia-Auburn would be. Um, and even Kirby Smart talking on Monday said that just on the offensive and defensive line, Tennessee is much better than Auburn is. And that's true. Um, Auburn lost, I think, four starters off the offensive line. They lost uh, two really outstanding players on their defensive line. Derek Brown was, what, a top 10 pick. Marlon Davidson went, I think, in the second round, top 50 pick. So um, at this early stage of the season, Auburn's offensive and defensive lines are still breaking in some new guys. They're not a finished product. I would think if you're Auburn, you're hoping – or if you're you're a Tennessee fan looking at Auburn and thinking, well, we ought to – we ought to win that game because we're better on the line of scrimmage. Auburn's offensive defensive lines probably are going to get better over the course of the season. So you would think they, they will be improved by the time that Tennessee goes down there in November. Um, but yeah, th- it's a different matchup for, for Georgia. Um, this is going to be the best offensive line they faced uh, probably in some time. Um, and, but not a lot of teams ran on Georgia last year. I think only 
Uh, Kentucky was the only team, I think, that averaged better than four yards per carry uh, against Georgia last season, and that's because Kentucky averaged four yards and more against everybody. You know, Kentucky just had three guys go over 100 yards in the same game against Ole Miss. So uh, that's kind of what Kentucky does. But, uh, but this is going to be it, – it's sort of the toughest challenge for each of these sides. You know, for Georgia's defensive front, this is going to be the best offensive line they faced in a while. Uh, and for Tennessee uh, and its offensive line with Cade Mays, this is going to be the best defense they face. This is going to be a huge step up from um, from Missouri and South Carolina for sure. I mean, this Georgia defense, the numbers on it are uh, ridiculous. <laughs> They're giving up about two yards per carry. Uh, Auburn just had 39 yards and had to pretty much abandon the run because they were behind the sticks. And um, that it, it's going to be a sort of a battle of wills because both those groups have a lot of big guys, a lot of big, strong, powerful dudes uh, that have been in these battles, um, that have been in these sort of these trench wars. So, um, it's going to be strength on strength. And, and if you're Tennessee, your upset chances have to start with you being able to run the ball, even just a little bit. You don't have to go out and rush for 250. But if you're staying ahead of the change reasonably well enough, then that, that's like a baseline for you to, to pull this upset off. I mean, Will Friend, he talked to the Knoxville Quarterback Club today, and he talked about that Georgia defense and how uh, not only big and fast they are, physical, but how deep they are, how they can run, put in run stoppers on first and second down, and then uh, throw in some pass rushers on third down and how there's, you know, there's no loss of production regardless of who they have in the game. At the same time, I think Tennessee's line, how many have they played eight or nine guys seemingly in both games trying to find that best combination. Um, I think the question for Tennessee, when you look at that Georgia front is how, how can this Tennessee offensive line or, or if it will rise to the occasion against one of the best defensive fronts they're going to see. I mean, we'll see Alabama in a couple of weeks. They'll see Florida at the end of the season. Auburn and Texas A&M, the second half of the schedule, teams like that. But can you find that best five? Can you find whatever combination works best for you to be the offensive line that a lot of people expected you to be uh, over the summer and kind of hyping up this season? Uh, they're supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the country now. Can they go out and prove it? Can they find those guys? One thing Pruitt mentioned after the game Saturday, he, he thinks these guys are still kind of getting into football shape, which is certainly an interesting thing to think about, you know, sitting here on October fifth that you're still trying to get in football shape after the camp they had uh can they take a step closer to that find their best five and, and try to put their best product on the field because they're going to have to play their best brand of football uh to stay in this game for four quarters yeah and, and i think w- one thing that i i'm trying to find the exact year i think I, re- I remember it correctly there was a year and i think it was maybe 2004 where tennessee went down to georgia as a pretty heavy underdog and Georgia, the, pre- the Georgia the previous week had just really taken it to LSU. I don't remember what the final score was of that game. I'm trying to look it up as I'm talking. It was, it was 2004. Yeah, where, where they had LSU, um, and it was something like it, here it is, 45 to 16. They just completely obliterated LSU. The next week, Tennessee comes to town, uh, and people are kind of expecting um, really a, a very ugly game. Tennessee had freshman quarterbacks, Tennessee. Tennessee had just got lost to Auburn too. They had gotten smoked in their own stadium. Yeah. And it, the week it, before. it was, it was rough. So it's not like a complete parallel, but what's interesting about this. And I've said this for years is that Tennessee does not fear Georgia uh, or does not play with fear against Georgia. The way you'll see Tennessee occasionally play against Alabama and almost always play against Florida Tennessee, I don't know what it is, because when you look at pure talent, Georgia is right up there with anyone. There is no question about it. Georgia, up there talent-wise, look at the recruiting rankings, guys. Look at what they've got on that team. They are good just about across the board. Uh, Pruitt said they don't have any weaknesses. I I, I don't think that's true. I think they have a couple spots where they they could play better. Um, But it's a really, 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 really good team. But Tennessee does not historically just does not fear Georgia in the way that, it, that, that it's had issues with others. Because there's been several times over the years where Tennessee has played a game with Georgia, uh, where Tennessee either won or almost won, and Tennessee had no business, you know, kind of being in that position. What is it about this series or what is it about the history of this thing? And I know Georgia's taken Tennessee to the woodshed a couple times in recent years, um, but there's also been a lot of times where Tennessee has been way, way closer than it should have been or beaten Georgia. Why is that? Well, if you're comparing it to the Florida series, it's because they haven't lost 14 to 15. I mean, and, and found ways, unthinkable ways to lose some of those games. Um, this, this series has always been pretty tight. Uh, you go back to games 92, 95, 
you know, obviously that was at that point, Tennessee was, you know, I think when they won what nine in a row in this series. Mm-hmm. So and, until Mark Richt came around. Yeah. And then, you know, you had the 2001 game, which we don't need to mention anymore. Um, but maybe one of the best, one of the best football games I've ever covered. 2004. I mean, there's just been so many games in the series where it's been such a back and forth series, obviously the Hail Mary game a couple of years ago. Um, and so there's, I guess there's not that, that mental block. And even, even before Florida has won 14 and 15 against Tennessee, that was, you know, that was sort of the tormentor for Philip Fulmer back in the nineties, even in the program's heyday for Tennessee, they, you know, they could beat Florida until, uh, till a couple times in what 98 and 2001. So, um, I don't know if there's a mental block that's just not there, but, uh, these two teams always seem to play <clears throat> a pretty tight game. And, um, I, I think if you look at the recruiting rankings that you brought up, Wes, uh, it, it, it it's reasonable to think that Tennessee might be a year away from legitimately competing with Georgia just from a talent standpoint. But uh, what's the saying go? There's no better time than the present. I mean, Tennessee in a year might not have an offensive line with Trey Smith and Cade Mays and Brandon Kennedy, and, and you might have a new quarterback this time next year. So uh, what better time than the present to go out there and, and show uh, what you can do? And, and I think Tennessee has closed the gap maybe enough to where if they coach and play really well on Saturday that they will give themselves a chance to, to beat Georgia. I mean, it makes no sense to say there's a mental gap because there's been so many – or there's not a mental block uh, because there's been so many head coaches, there's been so many players over the last X number of years that have transitioned through the program. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense for me to think if I wear a Ronald Cooney shirt that the Braves play better in the playoffs. That's just what sure. sports is. That's the way it makes you think. Um, but there isn't that block there that's been there with Florida. Tennessee's had – much better teams that should have been much more competitive against Florida in the seasons past. And it doesn't happen. Uh, that, that series is what it is over the last 15, 20 years for a reason. But with Georgia, it's not there for whatever reason there. I mean, there's the games you mentioned in 2012. You remember that game, uh, Todd Gurley and who was the other back um, in that back? Uh, Keith Marshall. Remember. Keith Marshall. They, I mean, they ran wild on Tennessee for that game. They, they went crazy and Tennessee was a late Tyler Bray, I think fumble or interception away from really being in that game in the final five minutes. And that was not a very good, obviously Tennessee team in 2012 when Dooley got fired that November. So for whatever reasons it's there, what's interesting to me this time around, you don't have the traditional flow leading into this game. This game's at the kind of the normal spot in the schedule, but you didn't have non-conference games and you didn't have that huge date circled with Florida to start the sec schedule. You went on the road and beat South Carolina. That was a tough win. You took care of business against Missouri. That's really all you have leading into this game. So will it feel like – I mean, this game was supposed to be November um, when the Masters is playing, you know, in Georgia. And it's supposed to be, you know, a really weird kind of, I guess, feeling and setup for this series based on when it's been in the past. But here it is back in October, early October. Um, I don't know. Will Tennessee be able to kind of continue that trend of playing up in this game? Uh, if so, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because uh, this is the test that Tennessee's had circled for a while now. It is, and I think there's a lot of things about this game that are really interesting uh, and and some areas where I I think people maybe have some misconceptions about, you know, where Tennessee, I I think, you know, sort of personnel-wise could struggle in this game. I think there's a couple areas where, you know, people are assuming Georgia's going to be better, and I'm not positive that's the case, but then there are some other areas where I think maybe people need to be talking more about the challenges uh, Tennessee is facing against Georgia if it doesn't improve some things. So let's uh, let's talk about those things in the second segment. But before we get to that, obviously, we got to step away for break. Pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, uh, ads, other fun things, in-house ads, good stuff. We will be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Also, Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Balls 24-7. Talking Tennessee, Georgia, uh, there's a lot to talk about with this series or with this game. Uh, it's maybe the most uh, most buildup for any Tennessee game we're going to see since maybe that uh, that A and M game down there where Kamara played so well and went to overtime and they lost, but that was a a really really fun game. So it's probably been since since that time, perhaps since there's been a Tennessee game with this much hype going into it. Plenty to discuss about that. Before we do that, though, I'm going to remind you again: please go in there, uh, take a minute out of your busy day. Listen, we're all busy, but you can take a minute if you can. It would really help us. Go in there and subscribe to this podcast. Mash that subscribe button, whether you're listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, places on the in the Google Marketplace. Anywhere you can cast a fine pod, you can find this podcast. Uh, but please go in there, mash the subscribe button, and please, please, please rate and review this podcast. We're happy to do this for free. We're only asking for one thing in return, just one thing, only one thing. Please go in there and rate and review this podcast. If there's something that you like, something you want us to see, you want to see us do better, uh, something that you have an idea for the future. Listen, we're not above constructive criticism, guys. If we're going to dole out constructive criticism for a living, we're going to have to take constructive criticism when it comes our way, or we'd be hypocrites. So please go in there, uh, rate us. Uh, if you, we'd love a five star rating, uh, but uh, but rate it however you want. Uh, tell us what you think and let us know how we can keep this growing because I see the numbers every week and it is crazy how much uh, this podcast continues to grow and we really, really appreciate that. Back to the task at hand, guys. This is a big, big game coming up for Tennessee. We all know that. This is um, it's nice that Tennessee's won eight games in a row. You got to learn how to win as a program. There's building blocks you got to put in place, but eventually, uh, when you're a program like Tennessee, uh, you are expected to be in games like this. If you're Tennessee and you're doing your job the right way and everything's where it needs to be, this is the this is the kind of game you'd be playing several times a year. This is a big, big game. This is this is sort of the stage where Tennessee belongs. Uh, in order to show that Tennessee really is Tennessee again, though, you got to go in there and you got to start winning some of these games. And it, if Tennessee wants to go down there and give itself a chance to win this game, there are some things Tennessee absolutely must do better. I, I think I, I know Pruitt was a little bit critical of the offensive line guys going in uh, on Monday, and and you you're. You, He's not wrong when you talk about the pass protection could have been better. There were some things that fundamentally could have been done better. They didn't have many procedure penalties and things like that, but they had him in some bad spots there in the second half. Uh, I think overall there, I think on both sides of the line of scrimmage, I don't think Tennessee is going to get blown off the ball on either side of the line of scrimmage. I might be wrong. I might be overestimating what Tennessee can do there uh, with its defensive line against Georgia's O-line, but I, I just think – Tennessee's in an okay spot up front where I start to get a little bit concerned if I'm Tennessee is you saw now uh, that Georgia might have its quarterback situation straightened out for now. Uh, the, the homeboy there with the name of the good bourbon, uh, Stetson Bennett IV, he went out there and looked pretty darn good, I think, against Auburn. Now, it's easy to look good when you've got so much talent around you, so we should admit that, but I think – the passing game is one on both sides where if I'm Tennessee, I've got concerns in this game because you know you're going to get Bryce Thompson back. You think you're going to get Sean Schamberger back. 
that's going to help the defense a good bit. But there are still some holes in pass coverage, I think especially uh, sort of in the middle of the field there with uh, whoever's playing um, you know, the star position the past couple weeks, the inside linebackers. Those are areas I think Georgia could really, really exploit. And then Georgia's secondary is just fa- fantastic. I don't know if there's a better secondary in college football. Bama and Clemson might argue with that. But Georgia's really good back there. And I actually – People talk about the running game each way. Um, I, I think Tennessee is going to be competitive in both areas there. I wonder about the passing game, and that's where I, I think there is a concern there, at least in my opinion. Well, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt, the way he was kind of talking today, made it sound like he doesn't like any aspect of his football team. I mean, he he basically said, yeah, we've been good, but now you know, I think he knows and I think he's trying to relate to his team that what you've been doing has been good enough to go two and zero, but it's not going to be good enough to get you to three and Um, and it's sort of a challenge to his team, uh, this week, uh, talked about the defensive line, the offensive line, the secondary. Um, and so they, they've got a, in the secondary, it's interesting. He said, that was one place he said they, that they've got to coach better. Um, but he also pointed out that they don't have, it's not like they have a bunch of new guys back there. You know, it's a very experienced group that's played a lot of football. So some of the mistakes that they're making in terms of uh, not having their eyes in the right spot, um, not maybe communicating right um, and, and things like that. You know, some things technique-wise where maybe they give up inside leverage and, and give up a slant. Um, some of those things are, are things that shouldn't be happening. Um, and I think he wants to coach those guys better, both he and Derek Ainsley. I think he, he expects those guys to uh, to perform better on, on Saturday. So uh, the defensive line, uh, I haven't – you know, you, you look at the numbers and, and they've been pretty solid. Uh, I wouldn't say that South Carolina and Missouri are great running teams, though. I think Georgia's definitely going to have a much better offensive line and some better running backs that are going to be just real downhill, real physical. Um, so that's going to be a challenge for Tennessee's defensive line, which has done okay, but uh, they kind of are what they are. Um, and, and Pruitt talking about the wide receivers on Monday said that he didn't think they got did a good job getting out of off, off man coverage. Um, and that's going to be something that they're going to face a lot of against Georgia. So uh, going to have to throw the ball into some tight windows you know, and, and you had to make contested catches, which Tennessee did a little bit of uh, against Missouri. I know Josh Palmer had one. Um, Bayless Jones had one on, on a back shoulder throw that was pretty good. But um, I think Pruitt's overall – the overall tone I got from him on Monday was we've done well enough to get to 2-0. and We know we have places to improve, and everybody has to improve. Everybody has to raise their level of play if we're going to be competitive with Georgia. That was the sense I got from him. And I think that's the tone you want to hear from your head coach heading into a week like this. I mean, 2-0 is great, but beating South Carolina and Missouri is not going to, you know, that's not the the all-end-all. Obviously, there's obviously better teams in front of you starting Saturday. I think the secondary, Tennessee secondary, I I don't know how fair it is to judge them until Schamberger's back and Bryce Thompson's, you know, doing his normal stuff and they kind of have their full personnel. I mean, does Schamberger step in if he plays Saturday and is he a, you know, does he play good football from the jump? Does it take him a minute to, to get his feet under him and, and figure out, you know, everything that's going on in that atmosphere that against a team like Georgia? Um, defensively, I think as important as it's going to be to, to stop that run game, you're going to have to affect the quarterback. You're going to have to keep rushing the passer the way they've been able to rush the passer the first two weeks. And obviously it's a much different test this week. But Stetson Bennett, if he's comfortable, obviously that's going to be a problem because Georgia's run game is good enough to probably establish a, you know, pretty decent production uh, if he's comfortable back there it's not going to be any easier to stop the pass game especially with the defensive backfield that hasn't been fully uh, intact the first two weeks I think Tennessee offensively you better be able to keep you know establishing the run having success between the tackles being able to push the pile especially on those third and ones fourth and ones if, if they have more fourth and ones especially in a game like Georgia you got to extend as many drives as you can I would keep going for it in those situations as long as you're not backed up you know anything crazy but they got to establish the run early I don't know what to expect out of Tennessee's wide receivers at this point. It seems like they have a nice future in front of them. They have a high ceiling, but how, how when they reach that point and how long it takes is, is anyone's guess. And, and if they can do it, you wouldn't think it's going to be against this Georgia secondary, but if they can make splash plays, obviously that would be huge, but offensively establish a run, uh, have a, have a cleaner pocket. I think Pruitt mentioned that Saturday post game, have a cleaner pocket. It's not going to be easy against Georgia, but I think those are some of the things that you've got to do to, to stay in this game all day. 
You know, you gotta, you gotta be careful with, and I I know this, I know Ramey's going to laugh at this because it's, I would too, but, but it's, you gotta be careful when you're talking about the, the transitive property, right? I mean, what happens on a week to week basis in college football or really any sport, but we're talking college football now. It's hard to sit there and say, well, you know, just because they did this against one team and the other team did that, that doesn't necessarily always mean what you think it does. But I, I can't get my, my brain to, to understand this. Alabama rushed 36 times against Missouri and had 100, 111 yards. Tennessee rushed uh, against Missouri 51 times and, and had about 240 yards. Alabama had 3.1 yards of carry. Missouri had, or, or ten, Alabama had 3.1 yards of carry. Tennessee had 4.5. I, I, we have to be careful when saying, listen, you can't just say because this happened and that happened that that means this, that Tennessee runs the ball better than Bama does. But when you look at those numbers, it's not like that's a small difference, guys. That's more than double the yardage and 1.5 more yards per carry. I mean, that, I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit in this game. Not, not, a ton, maybe not for 200 yards or something, but I'm not, I'm not super concerned about their ability to run even against this Georgia defense. Am I crazy? Well, I, I don't, I don't know that I'd be reading as much in the numbers as you would be, Wes. I'm sorry, I'm kind of throwing you under the bus here. No, uh, I, as, I, as I seem to do on every podcast. I, that, that listen, if we if we agreed all the time, this would be the most boring podcast on the planet. But but Alabama got up 35-3 against Missouri and probably just got bored and emptied the bench. So I don't I don't know that you can I mean Najee Harris had what six yards of carry, something like that. I'm gonna look that up because I it, uh, it wasn't it wasn't it, as many yards as I thought it was. He period. was around a hundred. And of course, again, we said this last week, but college football having its Yeah, he was like he was stack. at like five point seven a carry, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that tells you what you need to know. I this this matchup with Tennessee's offensive line and Georgia's defense is is it's a battle of wills in that Georgia and Tennessee are both going to be trying to wear the other one down. That's, that's the way that Georgia's defensive line is. They're a lot like Tennessee where they're, those, those big three guys up front are just trying to hold hold their gaps, hold up space, hold up blockers, and let their linebackers, a lot of them who are freak athletes, run fast. Um, some of those outside guys, as, as Grant said, Will Friend mentioned earlier on Monday, um, they set the edge just as good as they get after the quarterback on third down. I mean, they're big, strong, powerful guys up front. And, and so um, – but I, I do like what I've seen from Tennessee's offensive line. I think they've added some new wrinkles. Uh, we've seen them with the pulling tackle a couple times on, on Saturday against Missouri. That was a play that worked pretty good. Obviously, they've, they've used the, the jumbo package quite a bit with Cooper Mays and Riley Locklear. Yeah, Wanye, Wanye so, Morris pulled really, really far on a couple so, of those runs. Um, yeah, and you know, get a kick out, get a seal on the other side. Um, you know, those, those two other guys have done a, a nice job. They've created some different gap, you know, different alignments there. Um, and, and the and the running backs have run hard. I think great. You you made a great point on 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 the checkerboard on Saturday about what uh, what Ty Chandler and Eric Crayer you know did in between the tackles. And those aren't the biggest guys, but uh, to me they've shown a lot of decisiveness. Getting north and south, not trying to dance. You're not gonna be able to dance and bounce runs outside against Georgia. They're too fast because uh, you know those safeties will be coming down too. So um, it, it's a battle of wills because Georgia they have you know they're too deep there's almost no drop off from their, their first guys, from their starters, to their second guys. And so they're just rolling those guys in and out, especially on the defensive line. Um, they play their outside linebacker situationally. Um, and they just try to wear you down physically. And I think we saw that with Auburn the other night. I think Auburn was demoralized physically by the end of that game. Cause Georgia was just coming at them, coming at them in waves and they keep, keep those guys fresh. And, you know, they got all big, you know, that their little guys are 280 and 290. So um, it, it, it's going to be, uh, like Grant mentioned earlier, this is a, this is the, sort of the litmus test for Tennessee's offensive line and for Tennessee's program as a whole. Um, and whoever wins that battle of wills and, and can physically wear down the other one, because that's what both teams are going to be trying to do, is going to be able to uh, uh, to have a good chance of winning this game. Can I do my own sound effects? Can you all hear this? Can we start playing it when what Patrick replies to West? <laughs> Just the truck back in there. That's about right, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, the transitive property through two weeks in college football, who tweeted... Especially this season. Who tweeted that K.J. Costello looked like Joe Montana in week one and Mitch Trubisky in week two? I mean, that's... <laughs> that was Chris Vernon out of that, Memphis. That's, 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 that's classic That's classic leech ball, though, is to just play, look so great, and one week and the next week go, what are they doing? 
Is that I, why he was 55 and 47 at Washington State? Perhaps. Barely I agree that if Alabama wanted to run for 240 on Missouri, I think they would have run for 240. I think score and, and situation played a, a big role in that. But at the same time, I don't think you take anything away from Tennessee being able to run for 232, whatever it was, on 51 carries against Missouri and consistently push the pile and get those between the tackles three, five yards. Those are the really – Jeremy Pruitt talks about lost yardage in some aspects of football. I think that's where you make up a ton of yardage is that three to five yards in between the tackles when you really need that three to five yards to help kind of manage the third down distance and, and stuff like that. If Tennessee can keep doing that, that's great. But, I mean, transitive property for Tennessee, whatever you did in the first two weeks, that's great. It's not going to matter unless it translates to Georgia and unless you go down there. If you go down there and flop, it doesn't matter what you did the first two weeks. If you go down there – and put together a good game plan and kind of build on what you did against South Carolina and Missouri, then it translates really well that this team could have something there. Uh, the offensive line, I think there's a reason Pruitt says what he says about them. They are, I think they still are kind of in camp mode, like he talked about leading into the season. They're still trying to make up for lost time. Wanya Morris, I mean, Will Friend talked about that today, about how he wants him to play more physical. And he thinks a lot of that goes back to how much time some of these guys missed in the preseason. So uh, this is the test. It's, it's, it's taken a couple weeks to get here, um, but if anything's going to translate over these first two weeks, uh, it's got to do it in a big way at Georgia. Yeah, I think that if you want to break a, some big runs against Georgia, I think in, unless you really get them leveraged or, or really kind of get them off balance with some misdirection, unless you can do that, I, I think the best way to get a big run against them is going to be to run straight into the wall. And then if you can bust through there, then you kick it out to the perimeter uh, and, and then you go. Because if you just try to go vertically or, or horizontally, uh, the, the, those defensive linemen can kind of push and set the edge. The linebackers uh, will get over there. They'll turn you back inside. And then those safeties will come up there and clean you up. So so you're not – if you try to run horizontally against them, I don't think you're going to do that very often with success unless you – you know, short yardage, you kind of run a counter or something, you know, you get a leverage on a trick play, maybe that way, something like that. But I think if you, if you really want to, if you really want to get a big run against them, you're going to have to have a whole lot of two to three yard runs and then hope to break something because you're going to try to get right up through the gut. And I think Tennessee has some guys who can do that. If you can get gray into the open field, uh, he can he, he can squirm his way around some guys. He's really slippery. And Chandler's a guy that has had big plays against Georgia before. His speed translates against anyone. He, he can get into the open field if he can, and he can make big plays. Um, but I think when, when you talk about just up front, guys, Tennessee has four or five-star prospects starting on its offensive line, and the guy in the middle is a sixth-year senior who would start just about anywhere. I mean, they should not. When Trace Smith says something like, we don't why would we fear anyone i believe that with that position group i don't think you know if you talk about star power and ability and guys who are going to play in the nfl for a long time that group should not fear anyone it 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 really shouldn't i mean i think they feel like yeah we're going to go out there and we're going to block them on a week-to-week basis and we're going to have success i'm wondering about um you know, just sort of – I'm wondering about sort of explosive plays through the air both ways. That's something that I think, if I'm Tennessee, that's a concern because the Georgia secondary is good and you've not gotten great separation consistently with your wideouts. And on the other side, you should – if you're Tennessee, you should have a great secondary, but they've not been able to put the pieces together because they've had some COVID issues, some other issues. And I think they're going to not – be playing their best football maybe until the middle of the season at best, maybe. So they've just got to find a way, I think, to avoid huge plays either way there. Well, first of all, if you're Trey Smith, you're not going to be scared of anything. I mean, if we all look like Trey Smith, Grant likes to think he he's big, but he's not Trey Smith. It's true. Um, <clears throat> and, and if you and, look like Trey Smith, and, you would and, not be scared of anything. And Mays for that matter. But, I, I you know, I go into this game and um, – you know, I, I thought Stetson Bennett against Auburn the other night had some throws that didn't look great, um, but he also had some really nice plays. Um, and, and I don't remember what his numbers were, but he was really efficient. Um, Jeremy Pruitt had glowing things to say about him uh, early on Monday. But um, if I'm Tennessee, I'd rather be facing Stetson Bennett than Jamie Newman or JT Daniels. True. Let me phrase that. True. You'd rather be facing Stetson Bennett than Heisman winner Jamie Newman or <laughs> JT Daniels. <laughs> As voted on by Patrick Brown. As voted on by the media in the summer during COVID. Um, so, uh, 
but Georgia's got some nice playmakers. I think they have some better playmakers on the outside than some people maybe give them credit for. Um, obviously, we know George Pickens is is the guy. Uh, I think he had a touchdown against Tennessee last season. I might be misremembering that, but uh, you know they lost Lawrence Cager, who was another big part of their their passing game last year. But um, they got some good athletes out there that that could definitely stretch the field, and that's what Georgia does. They're gonna they're gonna pound you and you know run the ball, run the ball, be physical up front, and they're gonna try to take shots on you down the field. So, um, and and that's where I think Tennessee they have to be able to to, to win those one on one matchups because they're gonna be in in man a lot of times. Um, they're gonna trust those corners. Um, you know, Alante Taylor had a great game against South Carolina. He definitely did not play as well against Missouri. I thought he gave up a couple of cheap plays there um, in the second half. Uh, and some of those big plays, you know, Missouri um, and, and, you know, one of these big plays was against Ferris Crouch, who, you know, the linebackers have been a, sort of a liability in coverage so far this season. But uh, I think Missouri had seven pass plays of 15 or more yards. Uh, and their other 18 pass attempts went for like 40 yards. I mean, so that that's the big thing is is you can play great for so many however many snaps, but then if you give up big plays, then um, th- then you're going to be in trouble. And you know, it, all those sides have to you know all, all the parts of the defense have to tie into e- each other because if Georgia's getting four and five yards carry and they're in second and four, second and three, second and two, then that, that's when they can get play action, take shots, and um, that that's playing to the strength of, of their quarterback to keep him. Uh, who's still new, who's still, you know, he's not on a team loaded with four and five stars. He's not one of those guys, uh, but they can play to his strengths if, if the other guys around him are able to, to make plays for him. So, uh, yeah, there, there's lots of concerns if you're, if you're Tennessee looking at this game. And, you know, Pruitt said Monday that he didn't see a weakness in Georgia. And uh, I don't – I haven't watched Georgia 60 minutes about their games, but I would tend to say it's pretty – you have to look pretty hard if you are going to find any weakness with this group. But – um, uh, every every game in college football is sort of its its own life, its own season. You know, Tennessee will have things that they've put in the game plan this week on both sides of the ball that they've not shown yet. Georgia will be the same way. Um, whoever goes out and executes better and coaches better on Saturday and doesn't make the mistakes is going to win this game. Yeah, Bennett was seventeen of twenty eight for two forty and one score against Auburn. I think if you're y'all talking about Trey Smith, I, I don't think you call yourself the Tennessee Valley Authority as an offensive line. Uh, unless you have a certain amount of confidence in your abilities and, and what y'all can do. Um, I think, And also, I think, you know, you can look at the defensive numbers for Georgia and they look like the 85 Bears through two weeks, but yeah, they do. this team was down, what? You, seven, had to get a, you had to get a Bears mention in there, didn't you? Seven to, uh, we got to go back to 85 to get a respectable mention. To, <laughs> I mean, they were. what was the score at Arkansas at halftime? Seven, seven five, to five. Okay. Yeah. And I was listening to Patrick Brown's favorite radio announcers, uh, the Georgia broadcast. Oh, man, don't get me started. Guys on the field, and they asked Kirby if he was what, what what happened in that first half, if they didn't execute well. And he said, hey, you'll know we didn't execute. So <laughs> they're human because they showed it for the first two quarters of the season. And I think Tennessee, I think this game means something to Jeremy Pruitt. If you remember 2018, uh, Ty Chandler scores on that, what was a 35-yard touchdown pass, yep. you know, something over the middle. I think that got Tennessee within – you know, maybe a possession or something like that, a score. It's 24-12. And they added a couple late touchdowns and, uh, you know, 38-12 or whatever the final was. But after that game, Pruitt was, you know, borderline emotional. It sounded like he's about to break down uh, at the podium when he was talking post game. So I think this game means something to Pruitt. I think he's a really good button pusher when it comes to uh, having the pulse of his team and, and knowing kind of what to do to get something out of them. Uh, and I think these guys, there's a lot of these guys on this roster that probably played in that 2018 game and, probably remember going down there and being competitive when everybody thought they were going to get blown out. So Georgia's human. Tennessee can play better. So it, it could be, it could be a lot of fun on Saturday or we'll see what happens. It could be, it could, it could go the other way too and, and be a more lopsided score, but either way, it's a, it's a fun week to talk about it and to, to have something like this, a, a top 15 matchup two weeks into the season. You know, the recruiting rankings are what they are, but I remember something Pruitt said after the Georgia state game and I hate to bring that up. I apologize. The team that shall not be named. Yeah. Um, but he said after the game that when you show up to the coin toss, they don't ask you what your forty time was or what you were ranked or what you can, you know, what your vertical leap was and all that stuff. You know, it gets down to in between the lines who can play better. And so that's why when you 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 know, I've I've, I've like I said earlier, I've been of the thinking that, that Tennessee was maybe a year away or another recruiting class away from being able to really make a run at Georgia, but. I don't know. I think they, you know, you look at the matchup and some of the things that, that Tennessee can do well, you know, can can get them can give them a chance in this game if they uh, play the right way uh, and, and coach the right way. And I think privately, 
you know, publicly Pruitt will say that, you know, talk Georgia up as if they are the 85 Bears. Uh, were they good on offense, Grant, the 85 Bears? Oh, yeah, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton. Okay, all right. Sweetness. Thank you for the history lesson. Uh, but uh, privately, you're, he's you're, saying – You're forgetting the VFL in there, too. The, Willie Galt, right? Yeah, it's true. So, but, but privately, behind the scenes, as, as the coaching staff is going through the game plan and, and, and their meetings and stuff, he's saying, there's a weakness here. We can, we can attack these guys here. These things are open. Um, here's a reason – you know, he'll, he publicly he'll say, here are all the reasons to be scared of Georgia. But behind the scenes, he's saying – Here's all the reasons not to be scared of Georgia. Um, and, and he said last week after the Missouri game that they're not going to coach in fear and they're not going to play in fear. And I would expect Tennessee to take that mindset down there um, and see where it takes them. You know, you have nothing to lose if you're Tennessee in this game. You're a 14-point underdog. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, Sunday when I was writing the, the story about where Tennessee was going in the polls. It was like, if they win this game, shoot, they're going to be like third or, you know, they'll jump at the top five. It'll be insane um, uh, if that happens. But um that is something that obviously is easier said than done but uh yeah you, you made a good point grant this the staff i think this is probably i don't want to say this is the game they want to win the most but this is a game they definitely think behind the scenes are going to express a lot of confidence that they think go down there and, and compete and win yeah i would counter Pruitt and say nobody asks you that stuff at the coin toss but nobody asked me what i bench when they meet me i just tell them that's true like hi my name's grant xxx pounds how much do you bench inflated by roughly 50 to 100 pounds with each time i meet somebody that's confidential information okay how much so you so you just i'm an old man i'm an old man i don't max i just make up numbers (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to you have to walk uh, uphill both ways in the snow to get to the gym every time too it's one of those things where you want to force confrontation like i'm going to say this number call me on it nobody calls you on it i i think there's one more thing before we step out of here that I don't know that we'll have time to get into it in depth. We'll have to probably uh, kick this back and do it later in the week. But uh, one thing that, that really did impress me with Stetson Bennett in that game was his ability when Auburn did bring some pressure, his ability to get away from it. Um, he, he just kind of has some moxie to him, and he can, he'll can he kind of step into the pocket or he'll roll out. He just he, – he's kind of a I – don't, I don't know if you maybe call it a little kind of Jeff Garcia-ish or, or what it is, but – he, he runs away a little bit from you and, and is sneaky and, and avoids pressure and then makes plays. And he did that a couple times against Auburn, and I think that really sort of deflated Auburn because they felt like they, they had called a good blitz and they, they were there and then they didn't get to him. So, And if, you're, if you've watched Tennessee against Missouri, if you've watched Tennessee a lot the past couple of years, you've realized that if not for Daryl Taylor, uh, that's happened quite a bit. Uh, Tennessee has had opportunities to get sacks and not finish them. Uh, and if they get to the backfield in this game, they have got to finish. They've got to get Bennett on the ground but because if they have to, if they let him extend plays, uh, they're gonna they're gonna be in trouble with the athletes Georgia has sort of you know to to check it down to and to even kind of adjust routes and go long on. I mean, guys like Pickens and you know they, they, they've got um, they've got some some really really good football players. I, I think you know that's. Uh, Jackson, that's, that's, I, should, I should mention Jackson as well. Obviously, that's the that's the pick your poison with Tennessee's defense. Is if you do you come after these this quarterback and try to rattle him, try to get him uh, affected to use the Derek Dooley term. He's affected. Um, or or do you sit back and and rush four and drop seven and hope that you can uh, you know force him to hold the ball and get home that way? That's you know last year Tennessee didn't. I don't even think they touched Jake from once when he went back to pass and he kind of picked him apart. So, he, he had a clean jersey for the most part. Um, that game. And so that that's where, you know, people ask if does, does Tennessee have a lot of exotic blitzes planned? I'm like, probably. They'll probably put some stuff in. They'll probably see some things on tape that uh, they can take advantage of in, Georgia, in Georgia's pass protection. But uh, you can you can rush four and drop seven or rush three and drop eight, get the job done just as well. And it's just about when I say you got to coach well, you have to make the right calls in the right moments. And those situations are – those third down chances when you have a chance to get off the field, those are the moments when uh, Ansley, Chaney, are, that, that's where they're going to have to earn their money against Georgia. And if it's third and 13 and DeAndre Johnson turns the corner on the Georgia 45-yard line and Stetson Bennett the fourth drops back and raises his arm and he strip sacks and you can't let Isaac not a scoop and score. <laughs> yeah, lessons from 2018. Out. Yeah, lessons from 2018. And you saw a smaller version of that uh, in the Missouri game where – one of Missouri's biggest plays of the game came when the quarterback, you know, kind of couldn't corral the snap and 
Uh, then he had to roll yep. out, and Tennessee's corner saw the ball loose and left his man to go try to get the fumble. But then Missouri's, Missouri's quarterback somehow scooped it up and fired the ball downfield absolutely perfectly down the sideline for a big play. So yeah, I mean, there's you you, you can't turn you, you can't turn what should be great plays into terrible plays. That's you're not you're not going to beat teams like Georgia doing that. If you happen if you do that against Georgia, that's a touchdown. So. Limit terrible plays. So, Inside you hear only on the Go Vols two for seven. I think okay. that's a great place to end it, guys. Do good. There we go. Do that's good. The game plan, fellas. Do good plays. Don't do bad plays. Ready, break. We should be paid <laughs> like four million dollars a year for this. I think that's a good place to leave it, fellas. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Guys, thanks for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, uh, since he's playing truck noises uh, and to uh, insult me during the podcast, he gets to go last. He is twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can also find, if you just want Tennessee news, nothing else, you can go get that at twitter.com slash govals247. That's just Tennessee news all the time. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where there's a ton of content throughout the day. All kinds of stuff going on there. Bunch of people on that page every day. Go check that out also. Uh, But if you want the best If you want the best, if you want to go right to the tap and get that just delicious, delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water, you can get that right at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for Tennessee football coverage, football recruiting coverage, basketball coverage, basketball recruiting coverage, baseball coverage, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, all kinds of great stuff. And we got the checkerboard uh, message board on there where you can go discuss all things Tennessee sports. Uh, and you can get all of that, all of that, for the price of less than one mediocre lunch per month. That's it. We're looking for more entertainment at home these days, guys. There you go. Cheap, good stuff, really good value. You can get it there. And if you pay us full price for a subscription, you get access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. All kinds of good stuff on there. Uh, got every CBS show ever made commercial-free, new movies in and out every month. You get live sports, SEC football, rest of college football. You get NCAA basketball, March Madness, NFL football, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all that, plus World Series of Poker stuff, all kinds of other stuff. You can get that live, commercial-free, or on-demand at CBS All Access. And you can also get access to tons of stuff from Comedy Central and BET, MTV, Nickelodeon, Com- all, I think I said Comedy Central already, so I'll say Smithsonian also. All kinds of good stuff on there. All kinds of good stuff. Go check that out. And uh, if nothing else, if there's no major breaking news, you, sh- you should hear from us in just a couple of days. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.